0: Let's
1: get this party started. Oh, I love the party. I'm having a party. More
2: of a party atmosphere. We're having a big party.
3: And joining me at the party table, News Talk 1010 traffic specialist Lisa Morales. Good morning. Good morning to you, Jer Bear. Have you and the hubby put the winter tires on yet?
2: Uh, We're going to this weekend.
3: Okay, Yeah. Uh, my appointment to get this done, along with a couple of other things, is Thursday. Okay. Are, are, are we both soon enough? It's
2: great timing because we're going to be in the double digits next week. <laughs> you know, I feel like we're damned if we do, damned if we don't, because we get the blast of, you know, like the ice pellets that we had last uh, just a few days ago, and everyone's, you know, scrounging to get their tires on, and then it's like 15 again. Yeah. So what do you do?
3: Well, I always find it kind of uh, difficult to decide when the right time is, but probably by later next week, you might as well. Because it's not, I think the deal is you don't want it to be so so hot that it starts to damage the winter tires. That's the difference. It's not going to get that warm, is it?
2: No, I don't think so. But then also, isn't it like an insurance thing where you have to have them on by a certain time, right?
3: I guess I should know the answer to you that question. You should
2: know the. Did, did I just <laughs> did I just punk you on something? Uh, yeah, well, oh wow! Well, okay. Wait a, a minute. Why don't no, you just, tell
3: me what the insurance? Well, I don't deals? have
2: the date. I know you okay. have to get them off by like I think it's end of April that you can't. Um, you have to get them off by no later than the end of April. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm pretty sure. I know I can hear you clicking. It's okay. I think <laughs> if you take them off before the end of April, then if you were to get involved in a collision, um, then that could be used against you. You know who would know this? Mark Shapiro. Mark Shapiro. No. Yes. Yeah, our our TikTok traffic cop. Sean
3: Shapiro, the TikTok traffic cop. Yeah, Sean (laughs) Shapiro, sorry. Well, it's about time to be thinking about it. And you could also ask your mechanic or whoever, your tire dealer, whoever you're doing this with. All right, so a couple other things. Remembrance Day is not a stat holiday in Ontario. And in a lot of provinces, it is. Do you think it should be?
2: So here's my thing when it comes to you know the stat holiday and I do I definitely do think it should be for the reasoning that it gives um, you know kids an opportunity where you know if they're not going to be in the classroom let them have a school trip taken somewhere that they can you know learn more than just in school. I mean look yesterday G got home he's in kindergarten so there's only so much they can talk about uh, you know to four-year-olds when it comes to Remembrance Day but they made these like poppies on plates and it was really really sweet but I feel like you know educational wise if you are going to have the day off, it's on us to, you know, to become involved and have education and that kind of thing. So, you know, when you give a stat holiday for something, my fear is that it's not being used for the right reasons.
3: Well, here's what we're going to find out. Let's see how many people attend tomorrow at 11 o'clock because tomorrow's a Saturday. Not a lot of people work on Saturday, exactly. but still it's a week. It's a weekend. And so I, I maintain that if you aren't working on Saturday and you show up, then it really matters to
2: you. Correct. Yeah, Uh, I agree.
3: As opposed to, hey, boss, I need some time off today because I'm going to go down to the Cenotaph. Right, right. Uh, Which is, you know, maybe because you're serious and it might be because you're just shirking work. That's the the deal. Yeah, it could be. All right. So I want to ask you about this as well. And this happened to me the other day because I'm stupid. Okay, let's get that on the record.
2: Okay. All
3: right, so I was in Dallas seeing my son, Mm -hmm. and then some stuff that I won't even bother to go into caused a hurry up at the last minute before you go to the airport, and that's always a problem. And I was switching uh, from suitcases to a backpack, so I wouldn't have to pay extra fees. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I forgot that I had put the charger for my phone and the charger for my laptop in an outside pocket for Ooh. convenience on the suitcase, and so that stuff's in Dallas. And it's not that difficult to get the proper card for the cell phone, but it's not that simple for a laptop. Right. And here's my problem. Why do we have so many different... Um, connectors yeah. for all these electronic devices because even though I was able to solve this problem by spending some money, um, whenever you have this situation, at one end of the cord is the universal plug that plugs into the wall. Mm-hmm. That's universal. Correct. Why is it any hodgepodge of things at the other end of the cord?
2: Do you feel better? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I thought getting it off your chest might make you feel better. I agree with you, Jerbear. and I know, um, isn't Apple coming out now with finally the USB so, you know, if you're an Android user, you look at an Apple user and it's like, oh, I can't use your charger. Well, now we will be able to because we're all going to be on the same system. But I agree with you. I think the same should be done for laptops. I would imagine it has something to do with the amount of power um, to charge. I mean, I'm not a tech person. I don't really know the answer to this question. But I, I imagine there's a valid reason as to why.
3: Yeah, because they want you to have to buy something from them instead of uh, that's what I think it is. In well, fact, in in Europe now, and I, I hate it when it has to be government intervention. Uh, this should just be common sense, serve the customer. Uh, but in Europe, they're they're kind of forcing the phone companies to do it, which mm. might be why Apple is saying they're coming out with this, because they kind of
2: have to. Right. But that's for the phones and not laptops. And I know that like, right. different laptops have different types of chargers. So, I mean, is it something that should be looked into and could be done? Sure. Um, but yeah, I think they're monetizing on it.
3: Sure. And, and here's the thing. Here's how I solved the deal for my laptop. I carried it into Best Buy, and I asked a, a kid, because, you know, he would know more than me uh, <laughs> who's working there the, the problem and he said oh come over here I think we have and what he sold me was a kit that has nine different connectors uh-huh. that you can plug onto the cord however I made him open the box and find the one that fit my laptop but there was one that fit my laptop and I got excited about it I, this is great because I also have a beard trimmer at home I lost the cord to <laughs> and, and I went home and I can I I'm okay on my laptop but none of the nine Connectors they gave me in that box fits the beard trimmer.
2: Well, now you have to be on a new hunt and Jerabar. <sighs> Jeez. just well, when you thought it was over.
3: Just when I thought. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Elon Musk has this call, thing called Neuralink. It's a brain chip. They got to take apart your skull and, uh, or take a little chunk out of it and put this microchip in your brain. And uh, Elon Musk says that this thing could treat conditions such as paralysis and blindness. Thousands of people apparently have said they would sign up for this.
2: That's great for them. Yes, Count I hope me they do. Out. It. Yes, I uh, hope yes. they do too.
3: And if it solves their problems, then the rest of us will talk. Wonderful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Apparently it's not you and me. It definitely, without hesitation, will not be. No.
3: I not only let the doctor cut my leg open and put in pieces of steel and other <laughs> stuff they put in there or titanium or whatever it was. Yep. I did it with enthusiasm and tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday I'll be gone because I have an appointment, the follow-up, the final follow-up and the x-ray and all Ooh, of that. That's and, exciting. and as soon as that surgeon says, yep, it's all worked out, that's exactly what it is. I guarantee you, on Wednesday, <laughs> I'm going to say what's the date for the other one? Oh. Okay? I want that all done but I am not signing up to be the Hamster with the chip in my head. No,
2: absolutely not, and not from Elon Musk, quite frankly.
3: All right, if I can say that, and <laughs> not from Elon Musk.
2: <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. All right. I'm happy to hear that you want to get your other knee done, though, because I didn't think you were going to want to. Why wouldn't I? Well, I don't know. I'm just glad you had a good experience with it all.
3: Yeah. Yeah, uh, we're happy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's what's happening. Okay. With that, I had an idea. This, this also occurred to me in my last plane trip mm-hmm. um, of how to load an airplane. And you tell me if this is a good idea or not. Oh, we
2: talked about this, I think, last party for two. It's
3: just onerous. I want, no, I don't think, I think there's a new idea that I okay. have. Okay. All right. My other idea was to, you know, from the back to the front. Right. Okay. This one is, you know how they give you a zone? Your zone one, two, three, whatever you are. Sure. All right. First of all, let's put the families with little children on. You know, if they want to put the veterans in uniform on, yeah, go ahead, whatever. And then I guess they put the people on who've paid the big bucks for first class or something like that. <laughs> okay. But when they get down to the rest of us, great unwashed, here's what I want to have happen. <laughs> and it is zone one is the window seats. Ah. Zone two is the middle seat. And okay. zone three is the aisle. You can tell why I'm saying this. Sure. Why, what, doesn't that sound practical? Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, it does, but I think there's going to be faults in no matter what way well, you what? try to now, I, I don't know. I mean, again, it comes down to, like, if you're talking about the parents with the kids, the parent can't leave the kid by themselves. So if one has an, a window seat and one has an aisle seat, what are you doing, just leaving Johnny by himself?
3: No, no, if they're little kids, I just said, kids with families.
2: So they can be together. Yeah, so okay. they can be
3: together. However, yep. if my wife has the window seat and I have the middle seat, mm-hmm. you know, I think you could break <laughs> us apart for the time it takes to send her in there and get her seated. Because the mo- one of the most onerous parts of getting on a plane, uh, and I thought of this when I got on the plane recently, I had the middle seat, which I hate, but that's the one sure. they gave me. But of course, by the time I get there, the aisle seat guy's there, so he gets up and we we both get in, and then the window seat lady shows up, and we right. have to both get yeah. in. It? It's stupid.
2: It is, a little bit, yeah. It'll give you some me time.
3: What me N- time?
2: Well, like, just to get you guys situated. One goes in first, you have some me time, and then you follow through after.
3: You know what? Here's one of the funny things that happened. The aisle guy gets up, and I had to wedge myself in there. It was a cheapo airline, and <laughs> okay. well, there wasn't a lot of knee room. And I said, I, I apologize. I just had knee surgery, and so I'm not moving as well. And I sat down, and he went... He points at himself. He goes, both knees, both hips, and one rotator cuff.
2: Wow, I'm sure you guys had much to talk about on that flight.
3: I'll tell you one thing he said. <laughs> I'm not doing the other rotator cuff, and I said, "Why not?" He goes, "Because I've hurt too much."
2: Ooh, okay. he didn't care
3: about the knees. He didn't care about the hips, but apparently that rotator cuff thing hurts.
2: Well, let's hope that that doesn't happen to you.
3: Yeah, that's okay. uh, that's why I've de- <laughs> I've I've now decided to forego my idea to become a major league pitcher.
2: Ah. Better late than ever. Thanks for your input. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) All
3: right. This is the iHeartRadio Talk Network. So there's still a fight going on between the federal government and the grocery operators in this country. Everybody is concerned about grocery prices, certainly. I saw a video the other day on Instagram where some guy had a basket of goods, and in 2001, I think it was, he said that, that it was maybe it was 2011, he said uh, that uh, this big basket of goods was 82 bucks. And then he bought the same basket of goods today. And there were two problems. First of all, it was 192 bucks. And second of all, some of the packaging was smaller. That's that shrinkflation thing that we talked about than it was when he had bought it before. So that fight continues, and the government wants to at least appear to be doing something, and one of their ideas is something called a code of conduct for the grocery operators. We don't have all the details on that, but apparently draft one was shown to the grocery operators, and Loblaws in particular is saying this is going to cost Canadians a billion dollars. This government interference in our business is going to drive prices up and they've made a formal complaint on that. Um, Loblaws is citing specific parts of this proposed code of conduct and how they would impact prices. So is that a touchdown or a fumble? Loblaws is kind of getting out there early, getting ahead of the curve. They're on the record early, raising a red flag and warning the feds that their mechanism to try and keep prices down will backfire and do the opposite. So if you think they're making a smart communications move here, text the letters TD to 71010. TD for touchdown to 71010. Now if you think the optics are terrible here, this is just one of the biggest retailers telling the government to leave them alone or prices will keep going up like a threat. Text the word fumble to 71010. 71010 10 for the full word fumble and we'll give you the vote results a half an hour from now and get the view of our communications expert Bob Reed when he joins me at 11:50 for touchdowns and fumbles. Meanwhile, in the world we're living in right now, Here's a report, as fighting continues in the Middle East, thousands of people have been killed in the vicious Israel-Hamas war, and many have turned to social media to voice their concerns, their opinions, or to advocate. Some lawyers told City News that since then, there's been an increase in calls from Canadians who say they're being disciplined at work for their posts, setting off critical discussions on freedom of speech. The Muslim Legal Support Center said they've seen a 300% increase in calls over the last month. Over 134 Canadians have sought advice because they were either fired, potentially facing termination, or suspended. Now, not all those calls were from Muslims. 30% were from non-Muslims. Employment lawyer, Sanira Chaudhary, is the founder of WorklyLaw.com, and she frequently comes on the show, but she was on with John Moore this morning and uh, let's take a look at some of what she had to say. Is your employer allowed to pick a fight with you if they don't like your political views?
4: Probably not, John. I mean, uh, but the fact of the matter is in Ontario and in Canada, political views, they, they just aren't free at work. They seem to cost something, especially as of late. Uh, we've seen a lot of employers come out, uh, especially in Ontario law firms in particular in Toronto, coming out in support of, of Israel, as an example. And employ some employees are bristling at the notion of having to side with their employers when they don't align with those political beliefs. And some employees might be surprised to know that your political beliefs are not protected under the human rights code. You don't have a technical right to them. They're not a protected ground. And so you may face some discrimination in the workplace when it comes to your political beliefs.
3: On employers possibly breaking agreements if they expect employees to fall in line with their beliefs.
4: Employers uh, usually do not Speak about they're silent with respect to their own views or political beliefs and employment agreements, codes of conduct. So to the extent that employers are coming out now, John, and saying they support one side of this war and expect that their people uh, and their and their companies fall into into line, well those seeing consequences could claim a breach of the employment agreement. I mean, this is a significant change that employers are imposing midstream to many employment agreements that most employees never signed up to. All
3: right. Um, I see a difference between having a political belief and doing something as odious as supporting Hamas. I see that as hate speech uh, and an incitement to violence, et cetera. But I'm happy to hear from you at 416-872-1010, 416 872 Toll free, 877 518 5151. 877 518 5151. And you can text me at 71010. You think it's legitimate if somebody goes so far as to perpetrate what the company might think is actually hate speech to say, well, we're going to fire you? There are some law students now who are trying to sort of, uh, you know, tap dance and backpedal uh, because they put out some pretty odorous. Uh, odious uh, kinds of statements, and uh, they're not being fired. They're being threatened of not getting hired. Uh, Here's one more from Sanira, the potential of getting fired because of polarizing posts on social media.
4: I've been receiving... Uh, messages from, from friends, from clients, from uh, executives saying, could you take a look at my Instagram and tell me if I'm about to get fired for what I posted or what I liked? I mean, this is the climate we're in. And frankly, the, the response is maybe you might it's not i'm not saying it's fair but given the political climate that most employers for some reason or another feel like they have to take a side feel like they have to add to the public square discourse on what is happening in the world, and and we we've seen it with the Ukraine uh, invasion. We saw it with Black Lives Matter. More employers, year after year, are taking political stands, and those political stands are trickling down into the workplace, and often in toxic ways.
3: That is Sanira Chaudhry. She's an employment lawyer and the founder of Workly Law here in Toronto. Now, for me. Um, I see a lot of posts of people who want to talk about the history of the Middle East area and all that kind of stuff. And I may not agree with them, but they have a right to those opinions, even as silly as I think some of them are. But when you have, like, at the Toronto Metropolitan University, a bunch of students actually say that the Palestinians, right after that brutalization of what happened on October 7th, that the Palestinians have a right to uh, fight back in any way they choose, you are supporting that terrorist, horrific uh, act on October 7th. You're supporting it, and I would fire you. And I and if I knew about it, I would never hire you. That's where I come from on that. Roy, what about you?
5: I completely agree with you. I mean, you can have whatever political opinion you like, but you can't advocate for violence. You can't advocate for, you know, specific... Uh Uh, actions against uh, specific groups. I mean, isn't that hate speech?
3: Yes. Hamas stands for the total destruction of a race of people. They stand for a genocide. And for those university students and the 440 lawyers across this country who signed on to agree with them to say that's okay, I never thought I'd see that happen in this country.
5: Yeah, and so, I mean, I think that employers, you know, these people are doing this very publicly. I think people should note note their names and never hire them.
3: All right, I appreciate it. Let's hear from Julian on the DVP.
1: Uh, Hi, uh, Jerry. Great uh, talking with you. Love your show. Wanted to give my input as an employer of about 40 people. Uh, I am a a proud Jewish person uh, by ethnicity, not by religious faith, but... I actually, uh, I I was very cautious about this. I had to, uh, well, I decided to have a sit down with all my employees and, you know, address the elephant in the room that they do work for a Jewish employer and uh, they are entitled to their own beliefs on this matter, but uh, they need to know, you know, where I stand and and how myself and my family have been hurting through all this. what I will say, though, is if I did find out that any of my employees were in support of Hamas uh, and anti-Semitic, they would lose their jobs immediately.
3: OK, but let me ask you I'm a question before I have to break and we'll continue with this after the break. But, uh, Julian, I get that if they're supporting hate and supporting genocide. But what if they just said, no, 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 I think Hamas is a big problem for the Palestinian people as well. And then they said, Julian, you got to understand it's tough for the Palestinian people.
1: Oh well, that I can I can ple- completely understand that okay. sentiment, uh, and and that that belief system is cold, ascetic in in my company, but any right. hate speech or anti-Semitism is absolutely intolerable.
3: I appreciate your call. And so the question here is, is there a line you can cross in your social media posts, your commentary at work, wherever it might be, where it would be legitimate for an employer to say, we don't need to be working with you anymore. More on that and your calls coming up on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. And we continue with what we were talking about in the previous segment. And that is, is there a point at which your political commentary has gone from... Just your opinion, maybe an unpopular opinion, which you have every right to, to hate speech. And at that point, is it okay for an employer to fire someone who has gone across the line into hate speech? I gave as an example of somebody I think should be fired or not hired, and that's students at Toronto Metropolitan University who voiced not that they are concerned about the plight of Palestinian people, which we could debate, but that any action taken by Hamas was legitimate. So everything they did on October 7th was legitimate. Hamas has one stated goal. That is the total destruction of the Jews. Genocide. That's hateful. And that 440 lawyers across this country signed on to that, that sure wouldn't be my lawyer. I can tell you that right now. I can't fire the lawyer, but I certainly don't have to hire him or her. Here is Chris from New Hampshire.
0: Hi, Jerry, how are you, buddy? I'm well. Well, regarding making a public statement supporting Hamas, if you do something like that, you're definitely not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree. But in saying that, if you are a person who is already employed, have passed your probation period, and the statements you make on social media, hey, do not uh, prove to be disruptive to the company, do not hurt the revenue generation of the company, do not uh, contravene any relations between the company and its customer base, then I really don't think the company has a legal leg to stand on. And if uh, things like this are going to start taking place because companies are going to be doing a little after-hours snooping, then I think it doesn't matter what kind of job you have, even if you're serving coffee at Tim Hortons, you might have to have a, an employment contract, which states every little thing that you can be terminated for so that you know going into that job what the expectations are of you yeah. on the job
3: but and off the job. Chris, here's the thing. Hate speech is actually illegal. I don't think it is being um, uh, prosecuted the way that it should be in this country right now. So if you've perpetrated an illegal act, you can be fired.
0: I suppose, unless it's a job that hires people with you know, criminal records.
3: No, the the idea we're giving you a second chance. Don't don't do it again. Thanks very much for your call. Here is Stephen from Hamilton. Hey, go ahead. Uh, we're having a real phone problem. Sorry. I'll tell you what. I don't want to lose you. I'll put you on hold, and we'll see if we can clear that up. Here is Ernie from Mississauga.
6: How are you? So I think part of the conversation is missing the point that in in uh, Ontario. You uh, you unless you have are part of a union, you really can be fired for for uh, any reason, even if it's not disclosed. So it's a question of whether you're fired with cause or without cause.
3: Well, I think I would take Ernie, I would take the position if I were the employer and I was firing somebody because they supported Hamas. I would call that cause.
6: But does an employer, an employer might have that in the back of his mind. But as long as the employer legally pays all termination expenses, he could fire them and not say why he's firing the person.
3: Yeah, I I imagine.
6: This is all all simply a question of whether the employer pays severance or not. And quite frankly, in most cases, the severance is the least of the issues.
3: Well, it depends on the size of your company and how much
6: money. If the employer claims that it's causal, that could become a legal issue in court, because uh, because there might it, it, then it has to become part of the definition. Is this an illegal act, or is this some kind of violation that warrants termination? That's a whole different issue, and quite frankly, there would be limited cases where that happens. Because uh,
3: Ernie, I have to ask you at this point, because you are putting out like legal stuff with such certainty, are you a lawyer?
6: I I have been fired. Are you a lawyer? I am not a lawyer. Right. I've gone through it many times, but you can ask Howard Levin.
3: All right, thanks very much. We asked Sanira, and she gave us answers on that uh, a little bit earlier. Somebody writes in here, Vito writes into me, so we really can't have an opinion in Canada. You can have an opinion. What you can't do is is, uh, perpetrate an incitement to violence, for one thing. That's illegal. Um, There are hate laws. You can't be calling for the genocide of a race. That is the stated purpose of Hamas. And if you support Hamas like those students at uh, Toronto Metropolitan University did and those dumb 440 lawyers did, then I think they've committed a crime. I do. You can have all kinds of odious opinions. If you couldn't, I'd be out of work. Here's Stephen from Hamilton.
7: Okay. Hey, Jerry. I Can you hear me now?
3: Yes, it's better now. Go ahead.
7: Okay, awesome. Thank you. Okay, so yesterday I'm out with a group of friends, and we were discussing this, of what is considered a hate speech in this country, because if you, you just want to point it out from what's active now, a month after that horrific uh, attack in Israel, um... What's happening to the Palestinian people would be considered genocide, wouldn't it, with the amount of people that have been sort of collateral um, from the uh, the response from Israel? So.
3: No, wait I a minute, Stephen. I want to be clear. I understand what you're saying to me. Are you accusing Israel of perpetrating genocide?
7: What I'm saying is the amount of people that are dying is like almost tenfold more than the amount of people that died on the Israel attack. So. By pointing out that that is wrong as well, would I be an anti-Semite? for saying that.
3: No, I because think you'd just be incorrect and wrong, Stephen. There's a couple of problems with what you just said. First of all, don't necessarily take the uh, Hamas's word for how many people have no, died. No, I, I don't. Stephen, him could him I please on, finish I, what I have yeah, to say? Okay. Sure, sure. Uh, don't take uh, Hamas's word for anything. First of all, I mean, you remember right off the get-go they lied about that uh, bomb at the hospital. They lied uh, about a lot of things. Yes, yeah. they, will, they will lie to you. There's no doubt people are dying in, in Gaza, okay? Uh, but don't take their numbers uh, for any kind of truth. Okay, and genocide is not because some people are dying genocide is when on purpose you're trying to wipe out a race
7: yeah i know okay so this goes to my next point because we were saying we were trying to argue that there would be um like say you wanted to say like, just have a ceasefire end all the violence um if you're at these protests how is that wrong to do that but once they start saying the river and the sea uh garbage that's when it's time to leave in my
3: opinion. You know, if you go to a demonstration, you should be careful what kind of message that demonstration is putting out because you're going to get exactly, attached to yeah. it. I exactly. think that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks very much for your call. I appreciate it. You know, here's the thing. Just because you have social media doesn't mean you have to put every single thought you ever had out there on social media. Maybe sometimes you should just think for a second. This might surprise you, but I think for a second before I put the opinions that I have out on the radio. And that's why I'm still here. The fact that I tick a lot of people off is irrelevant. You have the right to tick a lot of people off. But I don't go around inciting violence. I don't go around calling for the destruction of a race of people. Be careful what you put out on social media doesn't at least appear that that's what you're doing. Because then you'll have to stand behind it. Here's Naeem downtown.
5: Hey, Jerry. Uh quick scenario to relay here. Um gentleman in the know, uh Jewish gentleman, uh, recanting a story about his wife, who's a speech-language pathologist who goes in-home care. He put out that, you know, it's been traumatizing since October 7th. You know, they're afraid for their well-being, being Jewish. And he instructed his wife to take a knife whenever she's visiting a Muslim family. And he put this out on his professional uh, platform, uh, social media platform. He's gotten a lot of scrutiny uh, himself, and his wife as well, with the speech language pathology. Now, is that hate speech or is that actionable? Uh, and he since recanted by saying, "Oh, he made it up because it's mentally, it's mental trauma. It is that mental health issues." But now, how do we? How do we? Uh, how do we address that? Well, like that's, that's, that's that inciting. Yeah, right?
3: that's that's really interesting because what he has done there is made the the terrible assumption that anybody who happens to be Muslim agrees with Hamas, and that's right. uh, you can't you, you can't make that assumption.
5: Yeah, and now you know the arrow has left the bow, and now he takes it back. But there was a lot of pro-sympathetic commentary to that afterwards, like other people saying, we feel the same and, you know, we have to be vigilant. This is scary stuff.
3: It it is scary stuff all around. Thank you very much for your call and scary stuff that we're dealing with so much hate right here out in public in our country. I I didn't think it would I knew that uh, anti-Semitism, racism, I mean, it's in every country, but I didn't think it was as bad here as it apparently is. Touchdowns and Fumbles next on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. It's game time. Touchdowns and Fumbles brought to you by The Simple Investor, making the world of real estate investment simple. And the principal at Broadway Strategy and Communications is with us, Bob Reed. Good morning. Morning, Jerry. Let's review the question here. Big fight still going on between the grocery sellers and the government here in this country. And the government has decided to put together something called a code of conduct for grocery stores. We haven't seen all the details on this. Apparently, the early draft was available for the grocery people, and Loblaws doesn't like it. And they have formally complained to the federal government that Ottawa's proposed code of conduct for grocery retailers will actually make food prices more expensive. They say doing what Ottawa is calling for could cost Canadians a billion dollars in higher prices. So we asked, is Loblaw getting on the record early, raising a red flag and warning the feds this mechanism could backfire? That would be a touchdown. And if you thought the optics are terrible, Which one of the biggest retailers telling the government, leave us alone or prices will go up, that would be a fumble. Closer vote than our last few weeks' questions, Bob. We are at 59% touchdown. touchdown. You know, Jerry, I'm not
8: surprised that it was a tight vote because I found this actually a tough one. I mean, on the one hand, of course, it looks terrible. You've got the big grocery conglomerate. It makes money hand over fist, but crying the blues for being asked to comply with a new code of conduct. But there's there's actually more to it than that. First of all, Loblaws didn't make a public announcement or a statement about its concerns with the with the proposed code. They flagged them in a letter to the parliamentary committee that's overseeing the process and to the Ministry of Industry as well. We only know about it because it was obtained by the Canadian press. In other words, it got leaked by somebody to the media and most likely some, that somebody was on the political staff within the government because making Loblaw look like the bad guys, if prices do go up, could be very politically helpful for the federal liberals down the road. But again, Loblaw didn't make an announcement or issue a news release or it's not like Galen Weston got caught out whining about having to comply with what the feds want. They put it in a letter to the body in charge And in that letter, they get very specific detailing how some of the things the code of conduct is requiring will ultimately make things more costly. And of course, that translates into higher prices in the grocery store. The precise thing that the government's trying to avoid with all of this in the first place. So Loblaw put it on the record up front. And when it got leaked, they didn't go silent. They didn't do a no comment about it. They stood by it and this the cp story goes on to report that walmart has previously raised similar concerns so they're not alone on this so if these issues don't get resolved and if food prices go up wild law will be able to point back now to this the alternative would have been keep quiet for now and if prices rise well then we'll make the case as to why it was the code of conduct that was responsible that is a much much bigger communications mountain to climb so While it would be easy to say, well, this is a fumble because it's bad optics and and they look like greedy grocery stores and the headline isn't great, I'll admit, I think the broader communication strategy or the deeper strategy here is actually the right one. So mark me with the 59 percent. It's a touchdown.
3: Well, the grocery stores aren't getting a lot of good news, so uh, I guess this is a banner day for them then. It's good defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes good defense is the best offense. So you want to talk about Tiny Town Quebec mayor? I do. Her name is Isabelle Lassard.
8: She's the mayor of Chapeau, Quebec. She's 23 years old, and she's quitting. Now, Chapeau is a town of about 1,500 people. It's 400 kilometers northwest of Quebec City. And this summer, they really got it bad with the wildfires in Quebec. Two-thirds of the population of the town had to leave their homes. The mayor says she was working day and night to help the people of her community. And after that, pardon the pun, she now says she's burned out. She's been on leave since September, and she announced this week she's going to resign effective next week. And in an interview, she said she feels she's unable to complete her term and that she fears she's at risk of developing post-traumatic stress syndrome. She says, look, I have my life ahead of me, and maybe this isn't the end of politics for me, but I think I need to take a step back. And she says, you need to be aware of mental health battles. And she says she realizes the message from this might be seen as contradictory for younger people looking to her as an inspiration or getting into politics. And she said, no, no, go ahead, do it, but be mindful of your own health while you're at it. The Association of Municipalities in Quebec, they issued a statement in support. They said, Isabel gave her body and soul for her community. It's now time for her to take care of herself. Her decision seriously reminds us that municipal officials are above all human beings and the challenges and the crises they face are increasingly complex and also reveal the importance of their role. Uh, I gotta say good for her for being honest about her personal situation and saying it's best for her town if she steps aside so somebody better able to take the wheel can do so. And good for her colleagues in the other municipalities for their statement of support. All around this one is a touchdown. Touchdown!
3: All right, and so one more story to do here has to do with the member of parliament, Han Dong.
8: Yeah, this is the former federal liberal MP who's been sitting as an independent, Uh, He resigned last March when it was reported that uh, he was possibly linked with uh, Chinese interference in in Canadian politics and in in his own election. So that blew up into a big story. Um, He said he proactively resigned from the federal liberal caucus so he wouldn't be a a, a distraction. Uh, And then, of course, uh, former Governor General David Johnston did his report and in his conclusions he said dong did maintain close relationships with some chinese officials and beijing was possibly involved in some quote irregularities around his liberal nomination in 2019 but johnston found no evidence that dong was aware of those those irregularities and He actually said it was false, the reporting that Dong had told a Chinese official in Beijing that they should keep the two Michaels in custody longer because that would help the liberals against the conservatives here in Canada. Something I I never understood the, the supposed logic around that. But anyway, Dong says, "Okay, so I've been cleared by Johnston. But the Liberals have told me nothing. He met with Public Safety Minister Dominic LeBlanc, who's Trudeau's lead on this, and and considering whether uh, Dong should return to the Federal Liberal Caucus. But Dong says it's been crickets ever since. Now, there will be a public inquiry into Chinese interference that's coming, and maybe the Liberals are waiting for that to play out. But if that's the case, they should say so. So I'm actually with Dong on this one. For the Federal Liberals, their, their silence is a fumble.
3: All right. So I, I wonder what is going to happen here. I mean, a, once once a, a party disassociates it from somebody, uh, dosi- disassociates themselves from somebody, they're unlikely to want to take them back. I don't think Sarah Jam is getting into the provincial NDP. Randy Hill, you're probably not coming back to the provincial conservatives.
8: No, uh, but there are lots of other issues around both of those people as examples. And maybe there are some things, some other things that haven't been reported yet, some allegations, some issues of concern for the, the federal liberals to not be saying, yes, he was vindicated and he's welcome to rejoin the caucus. But again, if that's the case, they should say something about it because the silence is really deafening here.
3: Yeah. All right. Always good to have you, Bob. Thanks very much.
8: Thank you, Jerry.